0: Well, you know, last night I was just kind of laying around yeah. and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to preach on. Yeah. Still woke up this morning, kind of slept in a little bit, Whoa. didn't really know what I was going to preach on and just kind of like, whatever. whatever. And so during the fellowship break, I went to the, the restroom, got some toilet paper, wrote the notes on the <laughs> toilet, little napkin here. Okay. Uh, okay. So we'll see how it goes today. I'm making all that up, amen? (laughs) But that's apathy. You just don't care. And the title of our lesson this morning is Spiritual Apathy, Falling Out of Love. If you got a bulletin today, the bulletin is Kip's article on the topic of acedia. And we're going to do a little Bible study on acedia and what that is and what that means, amen? But acedia is essentially not caring, about anything you lack motivation yeah. boredom a feeling of overworked maybe even if you haven't really done much no passion you're not motivated like you once were no. the scriptures don't impact your heart the same way they once did oh, bro. you get short-term highs you get fired up when you come to like a service or something but it only lasts for a little bit and then you're back stuck in the same place. Acedia comes from a, a, a Latin term, uh, the Greek acaidia, and it's negligence. It describes a state of listlessness, or torpar, or not caring, or not being concerned with one's position or condition, the condition in the world. It can lead to a state of being unable to perform one's duties in life, it's spiritual overtones make it related, but arguably distinct from depression. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Come on, bro. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the Bible says in verse 10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow is produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. Someone who has godly sorrow, they're eager. They're fired up. There's an indignation. They feel, amen? They feel hatred towards their sin. They feel passion for their gods. Someone with ascedia does not have... Have these feelings they have a worldly sorrow and st. Thomas Aquinas one of the famous theologians of the medieval times um, described worldly sorrow as the sin of acedia what are some signs of acedia well sleepiness just sleeping a lot sickness a lack of attention it's hard to, to stay focused you easily get distracted oh, bro. Overall dissatisfaction with life. Boredom. Just bored. Think about it. Was Jesus ever bored? Do Christians get bored? General laziness. A state of restlessness. Not living in the present. You're always in the future or you're always in the past. Seeing the future is overwhelming. A lack of caring. Unfeeling. You're just numb a lack of commitment, hopelessness. I want to read a little bit from Kip's article on Asidia. He says, The word Asidia has been lost to the modern English language and is forgotten and was one of the original seven deadly sins. Though Asidia is not explicitly named on many of the lists of the sins in the Bible, a monk named Avagoras Ponticus in 345 to 399 AD was one of the most gifted intellects of his day, compiled in the Greek from Scripture his list of the eight evil thoughts. In this order, Ponticus included gluttony, fornication, avarice, extreme greed, hebres and and. Uh, what avarice is, is extreme greed. Um, Hubris is just excessive pride. Sadness at another's good fortune. Wrath, boasting, and lastly, acedia. Acedia is listed last because Ponticus considered it the most troublesome of all. A short time later, another celebrated monk uh, John uh, Cassin in 360 to 435 AD, translates Ponticus' list into Latin, but with the slight variances of meanings. Cassian's eight evil thoughts list is gluttony, fornication, avarice, pride, despair, wrath, vainglory, and acedia. Then almost 200 years later, uh, the Pope, known as Gregory the Great, called the pro- by the Protestant uh, reform- reformer John Calvin the last good Pope, he compiles a list of sins derived uh, from Kassin's list, which um, he calls the seven, uh, another man called the seven deadlies. In everyday terms, he combines pride and vainglory, as well as despair and acedia, and then adds envy. Interestingly, he changes fornicato to luxuria, which expands the meaning from illicit sex to intense desire or lust. Um, and, and I can just mind that was the, nother, the other guy that, that compiled his list. It says this could be lust for power, food, drink, knowledge, money, or fame. Therefore, in English, the very first list of the seven deadly sins is lust, gluttony, greed, acedia, wrath, envy, and pride. Later, acedia was changed to sloth. This does an injustice because sloth conveys the idea of physical laziness where acedia is an emotional laziness, if you will, a lethargic spirituality. Acedia is not responding to God's love. It's a refusal to enjoy the goodness of God or love him with all your heart. When we talk about acedia, we are talking about the stuff. Of falling out of love. Many with ascetia seek to cure it by doing something new or trying to go to the next thing, but they carry it with them. That is why there are affairs. Um, That's why people go out and do crazy stuff. You've heard of people kind of coming to that that midlife crisis and these sort of things. Um, Many have called it the noonday demon. In early Christian thought, the lack of joy. Was regarded as a willful refusal to enjoy the goodness of God wow. and the world that God created. Do you jo- see a lack of joy as a sin before our God? Wow. The scriptures say in 1 Thessalonians 5 and Philippians 4 to rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Always. On, and so, ascidia is troublesome. What is it, biblically speaking? What causes this? Do you have the symptoms this morning? The monks were hard-lined. If they saw symptoms of acedia, they go, we need to deal with this right away. This is dangerous to the soul. And I've got two points today. The first point is the stages that lead to acedia. Come on Number one, our first point that leads to acedia, so I've got some sub-points here, is a failure to remember the death of Jesus. Mm, wow. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Come on, bro. my First Corinthians chapter 11, the Bible says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I have also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner Will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. And the church says, you know, in the church here at this time, Paul writes, many of you are weak, many of you are sick, and many have fallen asleep. Well, what's it mean then? Could this be physical? I think so. It could be physically sick, physically weak. But most likely, falling asleep was an impunism for death, right? That they had died. So he's making the point, many of you are spiritually weak in the church. He says many of you are spiritually sick. Many of you have spiritually fallen asleep. You're present in body, but there's a numbness and a deadness of soul. Are you with me right here? And this is... You think about being weak. I've shared my stories at the gym before, but you know how it is when you go to the gym and you've got that heavy weight and you just can't get it up, right? It's not that you're not trying, but someone who's weak is someone that keeps trying but keeps failing, right? Many times someone's sick, we think of someone who's sick, they're stuffy, it's a miserable experience, and often sick people are contagious, are they not? Yeah. And when we're sick spiritually, it's the same thing. We can be contagious with our sickness spiritually, right? But many have fallen asleep. I know in our church many have fallen asleep. People show up at 11:30 for church) yeah. I go, how can you be late to church? Why are we starting church and there's 20 people here? You're spiritually sick. Do you show up at your job at 1130? And yet, a worldly job's not going to get you to heaven. And yet, having respect, you're not discerning the body of the Lord. You've forgotten that Jesus has died for you. Right. And he says, you know something, in order to fix this, you've got to remember what it's all about, that Jesus died a bloody, violent death on the cross for your sins. Amen. It was so powerful last Wednesday at First Principles class because we studied the cross study, but there was just a sense we were all just convicted. <laughs> because we go, man, this is what it's all about, that God loved us so much. And he says, before you drink the cup that represents his blood and you break the bread that represents his body, which we're going to take later as Giovanni does communion for us this morning. Amen. Amen. He says, before you take it, in verse 28, you ought to examine yourself. There should be an inspection of the soul. Are you with me right here? To go, am I right with God? Am I prepared to take communion in a right way? Or have I fallen asleep spiritually? The ancient church had deep conviction on taking communion. In fact, um, communion was something special for the believers. Uh, history shows us they would actually have all the visitors leave and then they would take communion together. And it was a very serious deal. If you didn't take communion, you did not have life in Jesus Christ. And that's why people miss church so flippantly, like they don't care and stuff. And we go, no, we got to get you communion. That's why your disciples is trying to get communion to you. Are you with me right here? Because without it, you're not going to remember what Jesus did. It's not that there's mystical power in this drink or some kind of, no, it's participating by faith in the body of christ and proclaiming his death until he comes are you with me right here guys so where is your soul at this morning when you're sick physically you can't enjoy the goodness of life no matter what you do people that are sick spiritually don't see the good things that god's doing in their lives they can't appreciate just waking up and having the ability to walk like so many people do not have the ability to do. On, they can't appreciate the health that we have because they do not see the goodness of God in their lives. They become fault finders in the church. They become critical in the church and they see everything wrong and it becomes contagious to others. That's wow. a hope deferred. Look in Proverbs 13. On, what makes us sick spiritually in Proverbs 13? Come on, Mike. I'm with you, bro. Number one, a failure to remember the death of Jesus is a stage that leads to ascidia. What motivated you to come to church this morning? What motivated you to have your quiet time? I know for me, I'm just so grateful that God sent his son to die for me on the cross. And yet, if I'm honest, ascidia is something as a church leader I have to battle every single day. It's a fight for your faith to remember the death of Jesus. And to not get caught up in the legalism of like, I got to do all these things just to be a good Christian. I get to do all these things because of what Jesus did for me. Amen. Yeah. Out of gratitude for our salvation. Come on. And so don't forget the Lord's death. Number two that leads to Assyria is here in Proverbs 13 and verse 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Yeah. You hope for something but it didn't turn out the way that you desired it to turn out and so your heart got sick we have to hope only in our God, and not the things of this world it's no wonder that the church connected the idea of sloth to acedia since when you're sick you're lethargic you don't do much it produces a laziness a sleepiness a, a, a tiredness wow. What are you hoping for this morning, church? Are you hoping to achieve, do you put your hope in results? Maybe your Bible, talk, you, you, your Bible talk hasn't grown the way you wanted to, so you put your, all your hope in that, and then it didn't work out, and so you're sick spiritually. Wow. Maybe you put all your hope in your marriage and getting married, and you thought that was gonna solve all your problems, and then you realized your wife was a sinner too, or your spouse, husband was a sinner too, and it just did not meet the needs. And now you're sick spiritually. Maybe you put all your hope into finding that one girl or that one guy to be your girlfriend or your boyfriend. And it didn't work out, and so you got sick spiritually. What's your hope in this morning? Come on, Mike. Is your hope genuinely in God and in heaven? I never forget a long time ago, you know, Mike Underhill said to me um, something to the effect back in 2001 at a Hope Youth Corps, back when I was in our former fellowship. And he said something to the effect of, you know, Uh, our salvation's enough for us. So any other blessings, just icing on the top of the cake. But if you think about it, nothing else in the Bible is promised but our salvation in heaven. But I don't think we really believe that. I don't think we live like we believe that. And that's not enough for us. And if that's not enough for you, you're in a dangerous place. Think about it. We've described the glory of heaven last week, didn't we not? If that's not enough of an award for you and you want more from God, you feel entitled to more, you're gonna have a sickness of soul and you're gonna be very depressed and have a CDL. A hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, I'll never forget, um, when I first went into the ministry, I, I put my hope so much in relationships um i mean i just looked for there were two things i wanted in this world love the perfect girl and number two the ministry i put so much of my hope in those things when i was in college i just i just can't wait till i'm paid by the church and i get to preach the gospel full time i can't wait till i find that significant other and i finally my life would be complete Mm. well i got the full-time ministry amen And yet my hope was so much in the results. I mean, I worked hard. We had one of the fastest growing ministries at the time when I was in Phoenix. And yet my hope was in those results. And so it seemed good, but I remember coming home at night and just feeling empty still and depressed. And that's when I got into a lot of pornography, a lot of different sins, and I eventually got taken out of the ministry for my sin. I put so much of my hope in this thing. And then, I won't even talk about all the dating relationships. I dated seven times in the church. Seven different people. I just put my hope in finding the perfect person. Not to mention, really, I dated like nine times or something because I dated Chanel a couple times. <laughs> yeah, like Kind of rode the waves with me there. I was just learning to, to how do I put my hope in God? Yeah. And my heart was very sick. It wasn't until... Matt Sullivan got in my life and really dealt with my sin and I experienced for the first time 2 Corinthians 7, eagerness, earnestness, indignation towards my sin, I felt again, I felt alive again, I had nothing at that point, I didn't have the ministry, I was working a secular job, I'd lost everything, but I felt alive and God gave me the girl and gave me the ministry again. But I learned that that was a painful experience. When my heart starts to go there now, I literally can remember the pain. I go, I can't go there again. I can't go there again. Pain is a blessing from God's. Pain is, is how you feel. When you feel pain, you know something's wrong, so you know to go to the doctor. Are you with me right here? But when we numb ourselves out and we have a seed and we don't feel pain, you can be totally jacked up and you'll never know to get help. You'll never know to get help. You won't see the warning signs. You know, when you're in a Cedia, I remember some of the darkest times was when I lived in Long Beach, California, and I couldn't enjoy the good news sharing. When you know, when we have good news sharing at church, everyone's sharing. Oh, I met so and so, and she's going to get baptized, and blah, blah. I just couldn't enjoy it because I go, "Where's the good news in my life?" Oh, hey. Come on, bro. I couldn't enjoy a baptism anymore. I was like, "Yeah, we'll see how faith long they stay around." I couldn't enjoy the beautiful weather. I lived in Los Angeles. I barely remember it. <laughs> I just couldn't enjoy it. I was so consumed with my own life. I remember it got so dark, I felt paralyzed. I, 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 there was one night I, I just had a dream about taking my life away. And I just felt stuck in my bed. was still going to church. was still going through the motions. People thought I was fired up and really zealous and all this stuff. And in my soul, I was aching. I had CD. I was hurting. I was far from God. You know, today, are you sick? Have you fallen asleep? I think many of us have. It shows by, don't be faked out by it, it shows by how many people are late to church. Every once in a while you have that rare circumstance that happens, you're out of control. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the people that are persistently, continually in this sin. They have acedia, they don't feel passionate. You would be indignant, you would be indignant towards this sin if you felt close to God. You'd be earnest. There'd be a zeal and a righteousness, amen? Amen. You know, the third stage that leads to acedia is a refusal to be moved by love. You can't accept the love that others give. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Come on, Mike. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says in verse 14 For Christ's love compels us Because we are convinced That one died for all And therefore all died The Bible says the love of Christ It compels us That word compel Doesn't say your discipler compels you Doesn't say your church leader compels you The Bible says, love compels you, amen? Amen. And Paul goes, I am convinced I have a deep conviction that Christ died for me. It wasn't something he was shaky on. It wasn't something he doubted. He was convinced of God's love. Are you convinced this morning? Amen. And he goes, Because of the love of Christ, he felt compelled to share his faith with others. Look in verse 11 up ahead. He says, Since we know what it is to fear the Lord, fearing God is just a worship of him, a reverence for him, a receiving his love. Amen. He says, We try to persuade others. You know, we cannot refuse. The love that's been shown to us When someone's done something amazing for you You just feel a sense of deep gratitude And thankfulness One of the ways that will help you overcome Assetia and start receiving love Is simply to write lists of things you're grateful for Every day Because if you can write a list of things you're grateful for every day It starts to melt your heart And you feel a gratitude towards God Because every good and perfect gift only comes from our Father According to James, Amen the less we feel moved by love, the more discouraged and feelings of unhappiness come. It is usually here that we become increasingly negative about our circumstances. Number four, let's turn to Philippians chapter two. Hi. The next stage that leads to the And again, these aren't in any particular order or, or some type, of, it's just any of these can be stages that lead to it. Number four is a willful focus on the negative. Philippians chapter two and verse 14. Probably one of the hardest, most challenging verses in the Bible. It says in verse 14, do some things. Is that what it says? Do what? Everything. Oh, everyone's not there yet. Let me wait. <laughs> do what? Everything everything without grumbling or arguing. Now, like the old translation says, without grumbling or complaining. Amen? So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And the church says, you know, notice the command here is don't complain. Don't argue, don't grumble. You know, when we focus on negative things and we're fault finders and we're just looking for everything wrong in this world, we become unhappy. You know, Paul says that we've got to hold firmly to the word of God. Now check out what he says here later on. This is pretty cool. In verse 17, the same verse, he goes, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice of service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me amen (laughs) because those of you who have acedia you should rejoice with me amen guys (laughs) this is pretty cool because paul says that what he do he didn't grumble he didn't complain and he poured himself out to the church acedia is a very self-focused sin it's a very selfish sin and so when you pour yourself out to the church You're no longer focused on yourself and you start to see the miracles of God. You just become grateful Paul's just fired up. Amen Amen. And if you look at the life of Paul wasn't his circumstances pretty tough He had a much more challenging life than any of us did and yet he was joyful because he poured himself out He refused to complain and focus on the negative. I love it later on in Philippians chapter 4 when he says in verse 8 Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Amen. Amen? Christians are called to focus their thoughts on the goods yeah. to focus their thoughts on the positive We don't see problems. We see opportunities. Amen. We don't see issues. We see opportunities for God to move. Amen We see our great God in everything we do and it excites us and it builds our faith And that's the call of the scriptures You know, maybe you need to take the, a fast this week and you need to fast from negative thinking. Amen Maybe you need to train your brain to not think on all the problems, but you go, I'm only going to focus on the positive this week. You've got to decide to pour yourself out. How's it going pouring yourself out to your Bible talk? Come on, Come on. How's it going pouring yourself out to the brothers and sisters in the church? Do you have seven great relationships in the church? Seven's a number of, of, of perfection. Do you have seven great relationships in the church? People that are your best friends that you can go to about anything. You pour yourself out to them. People know your heart. They know what's going on. You're connected in are close. Number five, another stage that leads to ascidia a refusal to see God as good. Let's go to Psalm 88 and look at a brother that was struggling a little bit here. Psalm 88. In Psalm 88, we find in verse 13. psalmist here was struggling with the cedia and he says in verse 13 but i cry to you for help lord in the morning my prayer comes before you why lord do you reject me and hide your face from me you ever been there you're still having your quiet times but you feel empty verse 15 he says from my youth I've suffered and been close to death. I have borne your tears and I'm in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your tears have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friends. There's a strange comfort that many people get from acedia Depression and darkness wow. It actually can become like a friend and a companion to you. I'm serious. There are some people that don't want to not be depressed yeah. wow. They enjoy the comfort and the pity that comes from others When you're in it, I'm not talking about clinical issues and right. things that are brain disorder I'm just talking about a CD here. Are you with me right here? Right. Right. But there are people that, that get a sense of comfort from this darkness. And sadly, acedia, in effect, pushes people that are close to us away from us. Because what it does is it isolates yourself, and because you're so self-focused, all you can think about is yourself. And so the conversations with those around you always become about what you're going through and your challenges. And, and the honest truth is, although we all try to be good Christians, no one really wants to be around someone that's self-focused. And so Assyria, by an effect, pushes people further and further and further away to the point where you're like this guy, you go, darkness is my closest friends. The less we feel loved, the more intense our feelings of darkness become, and we even begin to distrust those that are close to us. Um, If this point keeps going even the things we look for for hope such as the Bible and praying seems pointless We actually at some point give up on them because there's no power in the scriptures anymore because of the idolatry of self, right? So we believe God has given up on us. We go. Why don't you hear me anymore? Why aren't you concerned for me and it's tough people who refuse love? are in sin They're not grateful you ever maybe you ever met someone like maybe there's the spouse that for example that that no matter how much you tell them you love them no matter how beautiful you tell them they are they just go whatever no i'm not i'm ugly a child that no matter how much blessings you pour out on him you just can't accept them sometimes we're like that with god and we got to consider do we accept love from others do we accept encouragements do we go, thank you, that means a lot, or do we go, whatever, or do we, does it make us feel awkward or weird? If it does, then we probably have acedia. Wow. We're refusing the love that God wants to extend to us, wow. and we need to embrace it and change, amen? Sixthly, bitterness towards man and God, amen? Look in Hebrews chapter 12. Come on, bro. Go, the stages of acedia. Maybe before you came here, you go, i don't even, never even heard of a CD. Well, it's a real issue. In Hebrews chapter 12, and we're trying to put biblical terms to what the monks describe today. In Hebrews 12 and verse 7. Come on, bro. This is a church that by this point had been, uh, was, should have been mature. <laughs> it was an older church, one of the, the later books written in the Bible. And it's kind of interesting that Paul has to disciple them on a few things. He goes, guys, later in Hebrews 6, or earlier in Hebrews 6, he goes, you guys don't know the first principles and you're not teaching others. And it's kind of funny, the older we get in the faith, we kind of think we're above to the basics sometimes. Um, and he has to tell the church, uh, Joe read it today in Hebrews 10, you know, a lot of you guys are missing meetings in the body. He goes, don't give up meeting together. More mature people in the faith go, I don't need as many church services as other people do. Wow. Yeah. And so he's really dealing... asidia really hits a lot of times those who have been in the faith for uh, a, a while. That's why I, I face it. I've been a disciple now for almost 19 years. Come on, come on, and, and it can hit me over and over and over again, right? So it's kind of interesting. In Hebrews 12, he writes to this, this church... And verse seven, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God's fornication are very bitter people. They're bitter towards God because they haven't found the right. Spouse yet. God hasn't provided for them in their minds if you're a Christian. And so this bitterness leads to an ascidia that now he's even crying, but it's a worldly sorrow. He cannot bring about change and he cannot bring about repentance. Not because God won't give it or God doesn't grant it, but because the state of his heart. And we know what happened in the story. Of course, from Esau came the Edomites, one of God's enemies. You know, I've got to ask this morning, are you at peace with everyone in the room? You at peace with everyone? Can you go to every single Christian in this room and have a great dinner with them and a great smile on your face and you would feel free? You're at peace. The Bible says we will fall short of God's grace. You won't make it to heaven if there's a bitter root inside your heart, right? Feelings of bitterness towards your brothers and sisters. But a lot of times the bitterness isn't necessarily just towards people, it's towards God for our circumstances. And we got to consider are we bitter towards man or towards God? Together we must look to Jesus even in the hard times of difficulty, pain, dryness, emptiness, believing because of Jesus' promise that he will be sufficient for us. Because Jesus is sufficient, we will find our satisfaction in him. Even if all things are hard for us and presently seem against us. Um, And these were some thoughts that that I found online that I thought were, were, were hit me um, uh, years ago. Is the nail marks on jesus's hands were a sign not of god's disfavor but a sign of his victory are you with me right here yeah you gotta understand that the scars we bear and the hard things we go through these are signs of god's victory his testimony that he's working inside of you. A lot of you guys right now are just working on your testimonies. They're going to be powerful stories that are lights for others to help them overcome different things and challenges that they faced, amen? But we need to, in the times of emptiness, the times of dryness, believe, no matter what our feelings are telling us, that Jesus is still going to be sufficient for us. Having to face something hard is not a sign of God's disfavor. And this was something I really struggled with, and I can still struggle with at times. You study the Bible with someone and maybe they start persecuting you and they persecute the church and they quit studying and you go What sin have I done? God's against me And no God's simply trying to train us. Amen. Amen. You know when you need to worry When you're not going through any hardship yeah. Then you need to worry. Yeah, you're an illegitimate so you're not a true son of God. True sons and daughters of God go through hardship. Have you refused God's goodness? Do you have a conviction that it's willful to do that? A couple things we can refuse to enjoy. We can refuse to enjoy our Bible study. We can refuse to enjoy meetings of the body. We don't get excited about it. We go, oh, an all-congregational service on a Friday night. That's the one night I have to hang out with my family and watch my Netflix. Come Refuse to enjoy the body of Christ. I don't know about you, for me, I'm fired up about it. Are you with me right here? This is going to be a special meeting, and what we're asking is that's just for the members of the church and anyone who's passed the discipleship study and the first principles, amen? It's going to be an incredible meeting as we come together for a congregation and we go make some plans to go forward, amen, guys? Come on, but do you refuse to enjoy the meetings of the body? I believe it's all a mindset and it's all a decision. Yeah. Sometimes we can come to midweek and we're dragging ourselves in. You've got to make a decision to enjoy the body of yeah. Christ. You know, do we refuse to enjoy creation? You know, sadly today, we have so much technology, everyone just kind of walks around, you know, with, looking at their phone, Right. And we miss so much of of what's going on uh, around us and the beauty of God's creation. And the Bible says in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare His glory. We miss out on part of God's grace and what He's created when we're so attached to our technology and we don't silence things for a while so we can spend time with our gods. We refuse to enjoy material blessings. We refuse to enjoy and accept encouragement from others. We can refuse to enjoy prayer. We refuse to enjoy relationships in the body. Again, um, I think of Acts two, verse forty-two through forty-seven. The Bible says in verse forty-seven that they praised God. I'm sorry, verse forty-six and forty-seven. They praised God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Do you guys enjoy each other? Oh no. You enjoy your roommates. You enjoy your house church. Do you enjoy your spouse? Amen. Amen. Do you enjoy your relationships with one another? A CD is just going through the motions. There's a song that came out by Matthew West called uh, The Motions, and I want to read the lyrics to you. It, it always really struck a chord with me because I don't want to be a guy that just kind of goes through the motions. It says, this might hurt. It's not safe. But I know that I've got to make a change. I don't care if I break. At least I'll be feeling something. Is just okay is not enough help me fight through the nothingness of life i don't want to go through the motions i don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me i don't want to spend my whole life asking what if i had given everything Instead of going through the motions. No regrets. Not this time. I'm going to let my heart defeat my mind. Let your love make me whole. I think I'm finally feeling something. Because just okay is not enough. Help me fight through the nothingness of this life. Because I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day. Without your all-consuming passion inside of me. I don't want to spend my whole life asking. What if I had given everything? Instead of going through the motions. Take me all the way. Take me all the way. because I. Don't don't want to go through the motions. Take me all the way. I know I'm fa- finally feeling something real. Take me all the way. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside me. I don't want to go. I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I'd given everything instead of going through the motions? And it goes on with the course. Point number two. Come on, Mike. Come on. The cure for a CDA, Amen. Yeah. So we saw the stages that lead to it. It's time to look at the cure. Amen. Amen. If you've just joined us, acedia is a form of refusing God's goodness, um, a spiritual lethargy that comes into our lives, and a spiritual laziness that hits us. Genesis chapter 4. Let's look at the first official case of acedia in the Bible. Amen. Now, it could be argued that Adam and Eve maybe struggled with it a little bit, but this is the first clear, defined case of in Genesis chapter 4. Going back to the beginning here. Verse 1. says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. This is the first case of ascidia in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit makes a point to show us something about Cain. The Bible says he was very angry in verse 6 and that his face was downcast i remember years ago when i was living in long beach and i was going through a lot of the stuff i I shared with you earlier uh, kip challenged me on something I, i felt so depressed i was so sad and downcast i wasn't naturally like an angry person that threw fits and this sort of thing and he goes mike you're bitter I go, no, I'm, I'm just sad. I'm, I'm depressed. He goes, depression's a form of bitterness. Again, I'm not talking about clinically depressed and that sort of thing. I'm talking about depression, these emotions that we go through are a form of bitterness. This is what happened to Cain. Cain was downcast. So anger doesn't always show itself in like road rage and cursing people out and throwing... F- Sometimes anger shows itself in a depression and a sadness and a heaviness that we carry around with us. Why was God disple- displeased with Cain's sacrifice and not Abel's? Well, there's a couple of reasons. We know from Genesis 3.21 that God did the first animal sacrifice and clothed Adam and Eve with animal skins. And so God must've taught Adam and Eve a sacrificial system because by this point Cain and Abel are now making sacrifices, amen? And we know from Leviticus that the Bible says life is found in the blood and all the animal sacrifices foreshadow the blood of Christ that covers us, amen? amen. And and we find in this passage that, you know, what happens? Well, Hebrews 11, 1, verse 4. Oh, we'll, we'll just read it there. I'm sorry. Hebrews 11, verse 4. My bad. The Bible says this. Come on, bro. In verse 4, this says, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. How did Abel offer his sacrifice? By faith. What's it mean by faith that he offered his sacrifice? Well, it says his sacrifice was better. We know that God probably required a blood sacrifice. And what did Cain bring? He brought some crops. Represented a cheap grace. Here, Abel brings a blood offering amen and blood foreshadows christ faith his heart was in it when you do things by faith it's because you believe it you want to do it are you with me right here when you just kind of do things routinely and get involved in religion that's what cain is cain was just religious and trying to do the bare minimum to get wow. by wow. And so religion often produces ascenia. I believe that's why so many people in the medieval times and, and the monks and a lot of these people in, in the traditional church um, struggled with these things because it was religion. You know, if you're going to continue to come to church, you're going to continue to share your faith. You're going to continue to give sacrificially to missions contributions and these sort of things. If you don't do it with faith, you will turn out like Cain. Wow. You'll turn out like a. Yeah. It's not an issue of just simply doing the right thing in the way that we understand doing the right thing. It's doing the right thing means doing it with faith. Come on now. So. Faith, I believe, is a decision. I think faith surpasses emotion. Yeah. It's a decision I believe in my God. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says we have the ability to set our hearts and our minds on things above. Amen? God believes we have the ability to decide what we're going to think and what we're going to feel. And you see, Cain, notice in Genesis 4, verse 3, what it said. I don't think this just happened one day. Cain decided to do this. Verse 3 is very key in Genesis 4. It says, in the course of time. Right. Yeah over time you see Cain became apathetic towards God he did not enjoy the God- goodness of God and so these feelings hit him and now he was offering God she's saying God's grace was cheap but the key is in verse 6 if you do what is right won't you be accepted right. Come on. what's doing right by faith if you believe God. You'll be accepted. So our first cure to Asidia is do what is right. Do the right thing. Many of us get down and we get bitter towards our spouse, towards our roommate, towards the church, towards our leaders. And the fact is, you're in major sin. and Cain was the one in sin, but he was blind by his Asidia. Cain was deceived that God didn't love him anymore. Sin by nature deceives us. It's deceptive. And he says, you must master your sin. He goes, it's crouching at your door. And the language it uses is like that of a demon. Crouching at the door. And he goes, you've got to master this thing. Amen? Some manuscripts that says there's a sin offering by your door. Meaning, I'm providing you a sacrifice, Cain. Offer it. You see, Jesus died for all of us. Amen? Amen. We have the sacrifice, and we must simply today decide to confess our acedia, confess our sins, accept His blood and His blood, and let's decide to passionately do what is right for God. amen? Amen? It's sad so many times people get in excessive sin, habitual sins. They're spiritually sick. They need to wake up and put their hope in God and start doing the right thing. You know, no matter how much we're challenged in our D times. No matter how much people preach sermons, the person with acedia has a very hard time hearing the truth. Wow. They're deceived. There are many people that, uh, it's, it's unfortunate, this sermon will fall on deaf ears. Wow. They're too numb. Right. Too critical. The, 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 you know, the critical thinker just, just goes all over the place. They can't hear what the Holy Spirit's trying to convict them on. Wow. Since we've decided to follow God, we've got to do it God's way yeah. with faith. Last two things. Number two, I believe the cure to ascidia is you need to engage in the present. Come on. Look in Luke chapter ten. Come on, Come on Mike. Come on, bro. What do you Luke chapter ten. Go bro. Dwelling on the past will not help you spiritually. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Why dwell on it? Right. Dwelling on the future will not help you because it'll just remind you of all that you don't have yet. <laughs> I'm not saying it's, it's not bad to have dreams and goals, but doesn't James say, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day will bring forth. Amen. Right. But engaging in the present, look in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. preparations they needed to be done did they not but you know the thing that's amazing about mary's heart here she chose to engage in the moment she goes this is a priceless moment jesus is here present with us i've got to sit at his feet and i've got to listen i've got to be totally engaged i gotta ask are you engaged mind body soul and spirit in church this morning Every song you sing, you thinking and meditating about the lyrics, you are engaged. One of the challenges that I can have a lot of times is there's been times I've been talking to people in the fellowship, and I'm so distracted by what I need to get done, I'm literally not even hearing anything they're saying. Yeah. And I'm just like, amen, bro, that sounds great, I love you. <laughs> I've been there, or I'm at church, I'm singing, I'm just thinking about, where is so-and-so, and why are they not here, and where's the, you know, and, and, and that's a sin. Right. Wow. And does that help me spiritually? Does that help me feel better? Yeah. No. Does that please God? But when you engage in a conversation with someone, when you engage in the moment, you're living the way God intended you to live. And you gotta understand, our society, Satan is tricky. Satan's done everything you can to try to get you not to engage in the moments. Everything, all technology, everything that's been made is to help get us away from engaging in what's important. Amen? So doing the right thing is not enough. You must engage in the right things. You have to engage your heart, engage your minds. Do you recognize... Timing. Are you aware of your surroundings or are you distracted? This is part of defeating the selfish part that fuels asidia. Well, finally, the final cure to Asidia is we need to walk after the spirit. Eh, Amen. Let's go to Mark 14. Hi. Let's go, Mike. <laughs> and Mark 14. Come on, bro. And verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, "Sit here while I pray." He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. "My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death," he said to them. "Stay here and keep watch." Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Or fell to the ground and prayed, that if possible, the hour might pass from him. "Abba, Father," he said, "everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will." Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And this time it's getting very dark. Jesus knows he's about to go to the cross and his disciples are sad. They're facing sedia. They are not engaged in the moment. Jesus says the spirit's willing. You need to pray. How many times has your disciple told you you need to pray and you refuse to do it? Oh, no. And he goes, I'm going to sleep. I'm just going to check out. That's what the disciples do. And it's kind of interesting. Then Jesus comes who, after he tells them to pray. He comes back and he goes, and he finds them sleeping again. I love it. The Bible just says the disciples said nothing. They're like, oh no, we're caught <laughs> in trouble. And Jesus goes, enough. Jesus refused to go to the cross without being engaged in the moment. He refused to go die for the world's sins, going through the motions. And he was tempted with it, was he not? He goes, God, all things are possible for you. Take this away. But he goes, not my will, but your will be done. And he prays for three hours until his heart is totally engaged. So how do you engage your heart? you got to walk in the Spirit. Prayer. you got to pray until your heart is transformed, brothers and sisters. Amen. Jesus could have given into the here. No longer were they fired up. The disciples consumed with zeal, but now sadness, depression, and sleeplessness. But Jesus felt the same way. That's what we forget. Jesus felt the exact same way that his disciples did. Yeah. Yet he took a different course of action than his disciples oh, no. did. Wow. And, of course, the others, one would kill himself or, well, betray him. He'd show up there a little later. But then Peter would disown him, right? He prayed and he engaged with God. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, I've got to ask you, when you're depressed, do you give in to the flesh? You go eat a bunch of ice cream? Some of us overeat. We indulge in food and find a sense of comfort from it. And we understand gluttony is a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin we face and we deal with, and we need to make sure that we're healthy. Amen? Secondly, do we give in to playing video games? Again, video games aren't a sin, but sometimes instead of praying, we can just check out into fantasy worlds. Where do you go to when feelings of fear and being overwhelmed hit you? Do you just sleep all day? Or do you pray? Let's close out in the book of Galatians. Let's go, Mike. Galatians chapter 5, and verse 16, the Apostle Paul writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're at conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You know, there's a conflict we all face. We've got the flesh, and we've got the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Now, what do you think is more powerful? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. But you've got to feed the Spirit. You've got to pray. It's like two wolves battling inside of us. You've got to starve one of them. And feed the other so the other gets more stronger. Amen. Amen. And sometimes we need to starve the flesh. We just got to say enough is enough. There's certain places I am not turning to or going to. So that we feed the Spirit. You see, maybe you're visiting with us and you've not experienced victory over depression and sadness. Why? You need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us joy. The Holy Spirit gives us victory. Look in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. What's that mean? When you're walking in the Spirit, you don't need law to get you to do the right things. You just want to do the right things, amen? You're fired up in your relationship with God. And this passage makes it very clear. Does the Holy Spirit struggle with acedia? Could you imagine the Holy Spirit just kind of checking out for a day? Uh, I don't really feel like doing anything. It's like, I mean, I'm scared to even say that. I don't want blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Like, like the Holy Spirit checking out for a day? We have his spirit, which is, produces the fruit. Now notice the word fruit is singular. One of the mistakes disciples make, they go, oh, I'm really working on becoming more loving or becoming more patient. No, you either have it all or you have it none. Wow. That's what the Bible teaches. The fruit of the Spirit is Jesus Christ. He had all this. Patience, love, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You either have it or you don't. And it's all being close to Jesus. Are you with me right here? It's not something you have to work for. You don't need to study out to become more loving. You study out to become more patient. You need to be close to your God and share a relationship with him and he will produce these things in you. Galatians chapter 3, if you're visiting with us this morning, I want to leave you with this charge. You need the Holy Spirit, amen? When do we get the Spirit? In Galatians 3 and verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized, when you clothe yourself with Christ, we know Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins so you can receive the gift of God's Spirit. There are many studying the Bible right now who have acedia. They're unwilling to really feel the conviction that Jesus died for their sins. And so they're dragging their feet and making a decision for Christ. I want to inspire you today to make a decision to repent and engage your heart in the Bible studies. Remember that Jesus died for you. And when you're baptized, you'll clothe yourselves with Christ. Amen? Amen. Church, this summer, it's so easy to get into the sins of sloth, gluttony, and Just kind of relax and lay back. Amen? And go, well, once the fall gets going, then we'll really take off. The time is now to go Let's shake off the acedia Let's engage in the present Now that we know the stages of acedia We know the cure Number one, if we want to cure ourselves We need to do what is right Two, engage in the present And three, walk after the spirit Let's go after repenting of spiritual apathy Hate is not the opposite of love We think that sometimes Because hate If you hate someone It means you still care about them Believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be so hurt if you didn't care. Wow. Apathy, that's the opposite of love. That's dangerous. That's You just don't care anymore. You're numb. We want to go after repenting of spiritual apathy and not refuse God's love. But today, let's make a decision to embrace God's awesome love and to God be the glory. Amen.